Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence, Holy Family, and St. Joseph in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rota, and with me I have Father Eli Gieske. How are you doing today, Father Eli? Good. Good to be with you. Good. Good. Yeah. Thanks for joining once again. Yeah. Uh, were you able to go and enjoy the, the nice weather that we had? This weekend or on Saturday? Saturday, yeah, it was great. Yeah, um, went with the sisters to do some work, and uh, we put up. Well, I I basically did some demolition for them at their <laughs> um, their little place up near Cotton. So, yeah, so we had a, a contractor helping us out, Jim Walner. So it's always helpful to have the guy there with the right tools and the mm-hmm. right know-how. So it was good. Yeah, so that was Saturday. Um, I went uh, back here and masses and so forth, but it was a nice day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Were you able to enjoy your day off at all? Yeah, I was actually back in Crosby visiting some uh, former parishioners, so it's good. Okay. Good to see them and be with them and hear about their lives. So yeah, kind of got back late last night, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, w- w- worth it though. Definitely worth it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Good, good. Um, well. Uh, we were kind of talking before, but the only thing really going on this week is the the, the issue night. Issue night, watch out. Yeah, yeah. Which um, Jen which, Messine is coming to speak on. Yeah. So issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the issue specifically of the church and society's society's influence on our youth. Yeah. And um, so you you know Jen. I do. Yeah, I okay. worked with her uh, last fall. Actually, I did a retreat with her. I've seen her at other things and we've had some interactions i can't remember if we went to the boundary waters once together or not but yeah she's a she's a pretty good cool gal um she does a lot of theology the body teaching uh, but she also does it like while they're backpacking or while they're canoeing or while they're going places so she kind of like has this outdoor thing but then she brings the theology of the body into that so okay. i'm assuming that's going to be part of tonight's talk is how theology body helps us to look at these things, but we'll see. I'll be interested to see what she comes up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should be should be interesting. You know, I think uh, just with a title like The Church and Society's Influence on Our Youth, um, I mean, even just from when I grew up, you know, 15 years ago, the world is a much different place than just it was 15 years ago. Yeah, so yeah. Um, the things totally. that youth have to, have to deal with, I think, to specifically in today's age is... Uh, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, yeah. I grew up uh, without I, I, my first cell phone. I think I got when I was in college, maybe second or third year of college. So I'm not an iGen. Is that what that means when you grew up when you didn't know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 the, the iGen. I think is like the people who had a have always phone. had an iPhone in yeah, their yeah, life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, different different realities. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, of of note today we have. A semi-celebrity, well, I would say he's a celebrity in, in the building. Father Mike, we we invited him to come be on the show, but you know he he's busy with the um, youth ministers. They have their once a month meeting, so just happened to be on the same day, so they're here today. So yeah, we got turned down. You can't can't see him, but he's in the building with us. <laughs> Wonder if he ever gets sick of that. Probably. Yeah, I, I'm sure he does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, well, I think Mother's Day coming up. I guess Mo- Mother's Day coming that's, up. Yeah. 
it's an important event. So, other than that, though, I don't think there's anything unusual about this week. Mm-hmm. Got a funeral on Friday, I guess. At Holy yeah, Family. yeah. Uh, the the bishop's ordination coming up is in two weeks from Thursday, so it's the the twentieth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But other than that, we're just kind of going into summer mode. Going kinda. into summer mode. Yeah. Um, Some have already gone. We're 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 on the cusp, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great. Well, Father, would you open us in a prayer? Sure. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we ask your blessing on our meeting or on our podcast today and our discussion. And uh, we ask you to bless our parishioners, all those who are seeking you, desiring to know more of your call in their lives, that they would be open to that. And um, in some way, we could all continue to work for your glory and... and um, bring souls to Christ, bring souls to you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. Um, well, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Nice. You know. Um, it's a fun book to read. It's it, a lot it, of action. It is, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. And, um, you know, right at, like in the season of Easter, Pretty much all of the, all of our readings, I mean, and all of the like daily readings and everything are coming from the Acts of the Apostles, mm-hmm. um, which takes place right after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. Yeah, so that right? makes sense. So, so yeah, I, I think unlike the timeline when we talk about like church calendar and how the whole church, like, it all makes sense and fits together. Like, this is one of those things that yeah. that just makes sense. And uh, yeah, there's so much happening and. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of action, a lot of like, you know, there are some books in the Bible that are very like, uh, like, you know, number in the old Testament that are just very boring to mm-hmm. read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cause it's a lot of just like context and laws and mm-hmm. whatever, where this is, yeah, just a lot of, uh, like a historical account. Yeah. 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 I think that's a great way of like describing it. Um, and, and I don't know if I really understood Acts. Like, I mean, I guess I understood it, but when I went to Rome and saw like a number of the tombs of the apostles, it was just the feast day of Saint Philip and Saint Saint James. Yeah, right. Yes, and yeah. and there, um, thought, I, I, if I'm correct, they're buried in the same church. Yeah, probably Dodici Apostoli or like twelve yeah. apostles. Yes, I'm, yes, that's. Yes, because I remember we went there randomly for a mass, sure. and someone was like, "Oh yeah, there's Saint Philip and Saint James are buried here." And I was like, "Like what?" Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like that in Rome. You'd, yeah, you're like, "Oh, over here we just have Saint So and So." You know, no big deal. Like, yeah. What? Um, oh. Yeah, and so it kind of r- reminded me of that, and uh, like that experience of just kind of going into a church and seeing like the tombs of these two uh, saints. It just makes it. It's just very real. Yeah. And I think, especially just over here in like North America, we're like we don't live that yeah. sort of like life. Whereas in Europe, I mean, even outside of Rome, like you can still probably there's probably a saint in your city. Yeah, you know, much everywhere. And so, yeah. uh, and so like that just makes it real. But like going over there is like oh, like this is like I knew they were real stories, but it's like these are real people. Yeah who lived real lives and really did those things that we read about. Right. And it made it kind of more of like reading a, you know, history of like 
the like Revolutionary War or something like that. Yeah. It was yeah. it, it kind of like, oh, like these are real real events statements. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so like that that uh yeah, it just it carries a different weight when you think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um when I was over there I because I lived in Rome for a while and there was I'd always like to go hiking outside the city and there's one particular spot where you could go along I think it was called the Apennine Way or something there's a bunch of tombs but it's also probably the road that Paul came to Rome on you know so you go there and there's like all these old paving stones and it's hard to know like if those are the originals from back when he was there probably not but you know this this road has been here for a long time it's the Roman road so it was there long before Paul and it's still there now even though they don't drive on it um, you can still walk on it so there's sections of that road that are still there and it's like wow this is where Paul walked right here so you know it definitely brings a little like reality to it so yeah yeah and um as we kind of we're I mean we're gonna kind of talk about just the story of the Acts of the Apostles and hit some of the highlights. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there, so we're definitely not going to touch everything. Um, but uh, if I'm if I'm correct, is is the like some I don't know if it's a fact or if it's an assumption, but um, that John, the beloved disciple, wrote Acts of the Apostles. Is that do you, do uh, that's Luke actually? So okay, Luke, Luke wrote okay. two two books. He wrote if you read uh, his gospel. And then you read Acts of the Apostles, you can say, oh, it's like, it's the second book. I, I forget even maybe the introduction to Acts might say. Okay. Um, talking again, because there's a little introduction, I think, to Luke, and there might be a similar one to... Because Luke was Paul's disciple, Exactly, right? yeah. Okay, right, okay. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, John wrote Revelation. Revelation, okay, yeah, and one and two, one, two, three, John, and... And obviously the gospel. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So so yeah. Luke wrote Acts of the Apostles. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I think when you think of that too, him being a disciple of Paul, mm-hmm. like that makes sense. And also a Gentile. I mean, mm-hmm. part of part of what you get in Acts of the Apostles is kind of like, oh, it's a they kind of approach things maybe a little bit differently because it's it's a Gentile writing to Gentiles in a sense, but trying to explain some things that maybe are Jewish or whatever. So yeah. But it is interesting, like, yeah, fascinating how the whole thing comes about. Like, it, they didn't really necessarily write like that back then. So, like, historical accounts were more like for, like, military campaigns or whatever. But this is kind of like a hodgepodge of different ev- events that they kind of put into a book. And so, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Important events, though. Yeah, no, so I, I think, I guess... W- we can start just the kind of some highlights from the Acts of the Apostles. We're probably starting from, I mean, the first like couple of sentences is Jesus ascending into heaven. Yeah. Right? Kind of leaves right off from the gospel. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, so Jesus, you know, he ascends into heaven. And then it's, it's, I think the first even couple of chapters, it's very interesting because like right away the hostel's is like, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. And Jesus, I mean, he gives them his, like, commission. Yeah. But then they're kind of like, okay, well. Now what do we, how do we do that? Yeah. Go yeah, baptize? So, <laughs> what? What What does that mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's, I think it's interesting because, re- like, right away, you're, like, they all, they're, I mean, they're 
probably in some sort of like shock and yeah. <laughs> like confusion yeah. type of thing. Um, but then in the second chapter is when P- Pentecost happens. And so all the apostles receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Not just the apostles, but also the disciples and the Blessed Mother were gathered yeah. in the upper room together. And But yeah, there's definitely like this powerful moment all of a sudden. You're like quite a change from chapter one mm-hmm. to chapter two, what's going on. And kind of even like they seem like changed men or people, you know. Yeah. Even from Peter's first speech right out of the gate, it's like, where did you come from? Like mm-hmm. the Peter that we've been following all the way through the Gospels and kind of this guy who kept screwing up. It's like all of a sudden he's got this boldness. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's really cool to see because, yeah, like you said, like we're, we're used to the apostles and the Gospels not being like, I guess, clueless, but, but yeah, they're like, you know, Jesus' sidekicks who mm-hmm. can't do what he can do. Yeah. And can you make kinda... me a bologna sandwich because that's all you're good for? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you yeah. get a sense that they're kind of bumblers and their lack of faith and kind of weak uh, in many ways. And then all of a sudden, Holy Spirit comes and they're like going off and doing stuff that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, and so I, I think that's that's really cool to see and even like hopeful for our own lives mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, you can see. Like in the in the Gospels when Peter rejects Jesus, and then how he comes back and like after Pentecost he's yeah he's the leader of the church, and he takes that role and he does a and he does a good job and he right. leads other people so right. um, yeah yeah it, it, it can give us hope for whatever like situation we're in yeah I think so and I. Yeah, and to, to not discount the power of the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and mm-hmm. and guide us and help us and yeah, to have faith that the Holy Spirit actually does something in our lives versus just yeah, it's a little white dove that you know we draw and it's nice and it's like no, that I mean the the four gospels are the kind of the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus. Actually, apostles sort of the gospel of the Holy Spirit, like what the Holy Spirit does in the church, and so um, it's pretty profound or pretty exciting when you see what's what happens so yeah and so going from that pentecost into um so that was chapter two so -hmm. we're kind of fast forwarding to chapter seven here but talking about um saint stephen the first martyr yeah yeah so we have the the deacons right the first deacons Mm -hmm. of the church there's a recognition like we need not only do we have apostles and disciples and people who are doing that, but we, we need somebody to, like, do service. I mean, that's what they were initially kind of recruited to do is, like, take care of the widows and the orphans and those who um, and serve at tables, kind of how it was said. Um, so the, the the work of charity in the church, they, they were kind of commissioned to do that. Uh, but then very shortly they are also teaching and preaching as well, so they have a, a share in that. The, there's a recognition of this call to share in the, the work of the apostles in a closer way, and so you have St. Stephen uh, going off and debating with the, the Jews and the Hellenists and everybody else, and they're all getting um, kind of worked up about him because he's not backing down. He's pretty bold, and this is right in Jerusalem, kind of like, you came to our house and you, <laughs> you trashed our theology, or whatever. it's like, 
it's not that, I mean, he, he very clearly kind of lays it out when he's speaking with them. Like, you are the chosen people. You were, uh, this, this message is for you, but you've rejected it. Uh, you need to receive it, basically. He's kind of t- telling them they need to receive Jesus and believe Jesus, and, and they're not having it. So, yeah, we had the first martyr. They take him out of the city and they stone him. Um, but he has a very impressive moment there where he prays for his persecutors and also has a vision of heaven. And so, this, I mean, it's kind of like the proto-martyr is the word we use, the first martyr, and he kind of shows us all how it's to be done. So, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. It wasn't one of the apostles. wasn't one of the uh, early disciples that we're aware of. I mean, um, he probably knew about Jesus before he was, uh, when Jesus was alive, he probably had heard of him, but um, he wasn't one of the 12. And and yet he was called to have this particular role of being the first martyr in the church and sets off this persecution, right? So they, Paul is there. He's Saul at the time. And it says he was consenting to the death of Stephen or something like that. And they laid their cloaks at the foot of Saul who was consenting to the death of Stephen or whatever. So people are kind of scattered out of Jerusalem. They start to run away and go to different places to try to hide from um, this persecution that breaks out. And so that's kind of where the next big step leads us because we hear a little bit about some of the people going around and going to different things. I think Philip goes down to Samaria and different places. and But then we have uh, Saul, mm-hmm. who was Paul, encountering Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, so this happens in uh, chapter 9. The yeah. conversion of Paul, yeah. um, which is actually a feast day in the church, the, the conversion of Saint Paul. The church says it's such an important event that mm-hmm. we give it a, a special day. So, yeah, yeah, and, you know, there's so many uh, stories that can, like, kind of like give us hope. Kind of like we're talking about with like Pentecost, and I think this is like one of those too because, yeah, like Saul, yeah, he was consenting to, the murder of St. Stephen, right? And then, uh, do, do you know what that, like, imagery means when they, like, lay their cloaks in front? I I haven't done a lot of reflection okay. on that, but I suppose it, there's probably, it's more than just the fact of, like, we need we need to take off our coats because we're working really hard to stone this guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. must mean something. But yeah. I don't know if it if it's referring to Saul or more to them. Or, yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you know something about that? No, I don't. Okay. So I'm, 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 I was just kind of curious. But from my understanding like Saul was like not just like a commoner either right, right. like like he he had some sort of like position of power because he was he was Jew Jew and a Roman citizen yeah yep. so right. he's from he's from uh, Tarsus which in my if I'm recalling right it was a Roman city so there are cer- certain cities in Rome or in the Roman Empire that were kind of like granted citizenship to all their citizens so like I think Caesarea you hear, sometimes you hear about that. If it's on the shore of, of the Mediterranean, that was one of those cities. So there are certain, like, Roman cities. There are other places that are in the empire, but they aren't granted citizenship. So they're sort of, you know, occupied or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or there might be some kind of relationship, but you're not citizens. But Saul came from a place where he was granted citizenship by his birth, I think. So, um, yeah, so it's interesting. So he's he's got this not only Roman citizenship, but also a great learning. He was uh, uh, studying under rabbis and so forth. So I don't know if he was in, we never really get the whole story, but there's sort of thought that he was studying in Jerusalem or kind of becoming part of the 
Pharisaical class and the maybe even the priestly class to some degree. So, okay, definitely a learned man. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and he was, and he kind of became one of the big like persecutors. Yeah, like of of the early Christians. Yeah, it kind of started with the martyrdom of Saint Stephen, and then from there, like when because he goes from Jerusalem to Damascus because some like a number of Christians, I think, fled to Damascus, yeah, right? Yeah. And it must so have been a sense of like, oh, all those Christians are getting inroads up there. We got to send send Paul after them or <laughs> yeah. send Saul after them. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. he he goes with he you know, he has like group of people. He's like, all right, let's go to Damascus and round them up, round them up. <laughs> <laughs> and mm. then it's uh, on the way to Damascus that he well, I guess that Jesus like speaks to him and knocks him off his horse. Not only uh, like for real, yeah, not not just a not just yeah. a saying there, but well, is, is, isn't that that that's not like like actually in like scripture that like it doesn't say anything about a horse? A horse? Maybe it doesn't, because uh, that's what I've. What, let's open it up. Let's, yeah, here I'm. I'm, I'm but I I remember being told that like it never nowhere in scripture does it actually say anything a horse. that he was on a horse. But maybe that's that painting that's in Rome that yeah, everybody's yeah, seen. <laughs> yeah, but the the Caravaggio. Yeah, Caravaggio. Yeah, because yeah. that was oh yeah, so chapter nine. It's a good point because no no other place does Saul ever ride a horse, but this was before his conversion, so maybe <laughs> so maybe he got down demoted. Yeah, so it's so this is the beginning of chapter nine. It says, "But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus." Yeah. So so he 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 wasn't just like let's go around him. He was like let's go. Yeah, let's go he, find he him. He had an official yeah. duty here from yeah. Um. So it says yeah he. Now as he journeyed, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed about him, and he fell to the ground, uh, and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute, persecute me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Uh, it's interesting. I've always, it's always struck me, and I've probably preached about this a number of times, the fact that Jesus identifies with those who are being persecuted. He says, you are persecuting me, not like mm-hmm. you're per- persecuting my disciples, my apostles, my followers. You're persecuting me. So it's a good reminder that Jesus identifies with the church. It's not like, yeah, you're, you're kind of going after my friends. But no, he's like, you're going after me, like my body. Like, there's this sort of, so it's I, it's always struck me as that passage where it talks about that. So. Yeah, uh, and I think I think I read somewhere too that that's like why Paul preached a lot about like the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's because yeah. like that. I mean, obviously struck him yeah. too. Yeah. Um, that he's like, oh, if I'm if I'm like persecuting people in the church, I'm persecuting Jesus. Right. Um, yeah. So obviously a big moment for the church to have this Saul become Paul and and uh, become not. A persecutor of the church, but a uh, defendant and a, well, probably the most ardent evangelist that's ever, uh, at least from that time. I mean, people talk about Francis de Sales baptizing lots and lots of people, but in terms of what was needed at the time, Paul had a huge role in, mm-hmm. in what was happening. So, Yeah, because really from this point on throughout the rest of Acts, Paul's the main character. Yeah, you're kind of following him and his story. And yeah, and he's going you know, all over the all over the place. Right. 
um, on which, his... Which makes sense if, if Luke was the one who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Luke would have, I think, even, I don't know if it introduces him at uh, a certain point specifically, but um, he comes on the scene a, a little later on one of the missionary um, trips that he and Silas take, I think. Maybe it's Barnabas, I forget. But um, anyway, um, so it's like Luke kind of gives the introduction, like, here's how this happened, and then Paul comes on the scene, and then he doesn't really take the center stage himself, but you can kind of see, like, oh, that makes sense that we're following Paul or now, mm-hmm. you know, rather than Peter and the other apostles. We don't really hear. We hear a little bit about James. We hear a little bit about uh, John and Peter and, and Acts, but we don't hear a lot about the other apostles much. I mean, just a little bit here yeah. and there. Yeah. Because and, Paul, he goes on, like, his three big missionary journeys, right? Mm-hmm. That's like his... Um, and yeah, so I think it's 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 good for us to be able to see Paul, who is at one point persecuting people, having this conversion, and then becoming yeah, like the single greatest missionary in the early church, mm-hmm. you know, and um, just for us to see that and like have hope for wherever we are, you know, and like what, and not just like. What, like oh I can do something great but like the Holy Spirit like came into him and um and then uh, I, I think it's really interesting after he has this conversion everyone's still afraid of him like all the yeah. Christians are, they're like hiding from him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah they're like so we we heard he's you know like we've heard the one that was persecuting the church is now proclaiming Christ boldly but we don't want to see him yeah 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 <laughs> and uh, we don't want to believe it. it's a ploy uh, and so and so because when he gets you know, knocked down, he gets blinded. Mm-hmm. And so the, the people that are with him basically like bring him into Damascus. And then Jesus like tells one of the disciples that made his way to Damascus, like, Hey, go, go find this guy. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> you want me to help Paul or Saul, the guy that's after us? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's so a, there's yeah. There's an act of obedience. Mm-hmm. Ananias goes there and prays over him and the, the scales or whatever covering his eyes are removed. And, so it's interesting that somebody we only hear about Ananias at that one point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that God uses this figure, seemingly pretty insignificant, to unleash this amazing evangelist. So you yeah. never know what our small role might be in in some great life. I mean, if we're not meant to have a visible, impressive life like Saint Paul, that's okay. You know, we we still have a role to play. So. Yeah, yeah, because he, he could have easily used Peter, and it would have been a great, uh, a great story. Yeah, right. It would have fit. You know, it w- in some ways, it would have been a, a more um, fitting sort of experience. I and mean, that's in some ways, that is often why the gospels and the scriptures are believable. Because these things don't always like try to show the best light, or you know, like if you're trying to help people understand that your first pope. Um, is a great guy and everything. You wouldn't include all these uh, stories about how he actually failed a lot and wasn't that great. And you know, so mm-hmm. it it is interesting. Like, it's it's not a fairy tale. These are true accounts, and that's why it doesn't always follow the fairy tale model or whatever. Yeah. So. And then uh, I mean, this is right after the conversion of Paul, but getting into um, uh, chapter ten is when 
uh, St. Peter gets a vision. Mm-hmm. And basically that vision is talking about, because the, the, the Jews, even like the Jews who became Christian, like the disciples, they were still culturally Jewish mm-hmm. and followed all those laws. Yeah. Yeah. Like it didn't just like change one day. Right. And so, um, so they were still like circumcising people, mm-hmm. like people who were converting to Christianity were technically converting to like Judaism. Yeah. And so like, I, I think that's all really interesting, yeah. but, um, but so they were still following all these laws, like they couldn't eat pork. Mm-hmm. Right. And all and, the dietary laws. Yeah. yeah but, I mean, you, yeah, you're, you said it well, like they basically were becoming Jews and following all the Jewish teachings and then adding on top of anything that knew from the Christian, from Christ. So, yeah. Um, and so then Peter has this vision um, and then it becomes a discussion. You know, what, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Does it mean I have to be Jew or not? That was a that was mm-hmm. a big question. I mean, because um, partly, so Peter had this encounter where he prays, and the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit, and then uh, Paul and Barnabas and all those who are kind of going out, they start to see that the Gentiles seem to have the ability to receive the Holy Spirit too. So it's kind of like, oh, you mean God wants to work in the Gentiles too? Amazing! Like so, it wasn't intuitive to them right away that that was the case. It was more like he's come here and we're working within the Jewish faith, but then that that um, group of people or the, the net kind of got a lot wider all of a sudden. It was like, oh, we're actually supposed to go to all people, not just Jews. So, Yeah, and, and isn't, like, doesn't St. Paul, like, he does a lot of stuff like trying to convert the Jews and then the Jews are really like, pushing back. So he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go like, to those for, forget you people. Yeah. I'm just going to go and like be like go and talk to the, yeah whoever's gonna listen yeah whoever's gonna listen yeah and basically that's kind of his pattern on the, all these missionary trips is he goes finds the synagogue he starts there and if they don't receive it then he just goes to whoever's gonna listen so mm-hmm. it is interesting um but yeah so the they have the council of jerusalem it's often called where they get together the apostles paul other disciples, other people who are kind of big wigs in the in the Christian world at that time, <laughs> in the early days, and they have a discussion about this. Like, what what's important here? Like, is it important that they become Jews? Is it important that we identify as Jews, or is it important that we have something else that that you know identifies us? And so that be, that was a discussion that was important um, as the church is growing and going to places that are more and more dominated by the um, not the Jewish culture, but um, Gentile cultures, you know, you know, like Roman culture, or Greek culture, or whatever. So, of course, hopefully everybody knows that a Gentile is merely someone who's not a Jew, so not um, born into a Jewish family. So a Gentile can convert to Judaism, but they have to be circumcised and all these things. And so that was a big question, you know, for a lot of the Gentiles. They're like, well, <laughs> what do I got to do? Oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. So... Um, yeah, why put obstacles before those that are not necessary? And so that's always been a principle in the church. Like, there's certain things we have to hold to, and certain things we have to do. Like, you can't be a you can't be a follower of Jesus formally and not get baptized. Like, you got to get baptized, right? So that's that's that sort of an essential thing. But um, not everybody that's a follower of Jesus has to become an evangelist, or not everybody has to be like um, going to daily mass even. Like, you know, there's. There's certain things where 
encouraged to do and allowed to do, but what's the minimum or what's required? They were kind of hashing that out, and that's what that was. Uh, in what chapter? Is that chapter 15? Yeah, chapter 15 is the Council of Jerusalem. And yeah, and kind of like you were saying, like it kind of gave, it was kind of like the first big like church meeting. meeting. Yeah, getting together. You know, because from like don't, a lot people come from like all over because people had gone out and were doing their own like missions. Yeah, yeah. And so they kind of called everyone back. Had a little powwow, and, and, and yeah, and, and had that, and that was kind of the first time that something like that had happened. I mean, when the when the apostles and disciples were all like still together, they're probably like, "Oh, what, what do you think about this, or what do you think about this?" Yeah. But this was like, "Hey, we have a, have an some... issue that we have to talk about." Right, right. So it's, we have, uh, I forget how many now. It's it's like twenty one or twenty two ecumenical councils in the church where the church is gathered specifically to address problems. They don't count Jerusalem as one of them, uh, the Council of Jerusalem, but. That's kind of like the model for our church council. The The next one isn't until 325, so a long time mm-hmm. uh, elapses. And sometimes it happens where, you know, Council of Trent was ended in like 1660 or something like that, some, sometime in that time. And the next one is Vatican I, which is 1870. So sometimes you have a long period where there's, there's nothing uh, uh, needed in terms of church council. Maybe there's something needed, but it doesn't happen right away. So... Um, but the church had to come together to discuss something, and so they did, and then they went out and did it. So um, it's, it, it kind of gives us the model. It's okay to do that now and then when you need to. You know, It's okay to have a, a disagreement, and even though we have the Holy Spirit and we believe the Holy Spirit guides us, sometimes the Holy Spirit works through a human discussion or a human conference or a human uh, experience of disagreement or whatever. So you know, that in itself tells us something about the church like it's both a divine institution and it's a human institution and god works through the human brokenness through the human uh experiences etc etc so it's kind of fascinating when you think about it yeah um yeah and i I think i was thinking about this somewhat recently like yeah it's just like like the church is the body of christ and you know christ was both human and divine so it makes sense that the church is both human and divine Right, right right Yeah, it's a good, good little analogy, yeah. or reality. Um, I think maybe kind of in closing, as we wrap up here. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's it's really awesome to go back and look at to read through the Acts of the Apostles and just see how the early church like existed, because you know in our entire lives we've just seen the Catholic Church being like the monster or like the huge universal universal organization that it is Mm -hmm. and to think that this all came from a handful of people in a room yeah yeah literally all of them were in one room at one point yeah together yeah and now it's the largest church in the world by a large portion Right, right right um and to think of how like just how creative and flexible like they had to be yeah. and they took a lot of risks mm-hmm. and i mean imagine like pope francis going on a missionary journey through <laughs> like the middle east like mm-hmm. that's kind of mm-hmm. compa- probably comparable yeah i mean he did go to iraq recently he, he did he did yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so um but but yeah like just but like yeah the, i mean the 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 model that they were following at that time there's, it's like the seed of what we are doing now, 
but it uh, it looks a little different just because we're much further down the the growth mm-hmm. chain, if you will. Like the seed has become a, a large tree, and so um, yeah, it's interesting to see the differences. Mm-hmm. What's needed now versus what was needed then. And it's funny. I mean, I, I don't know if this will bring us too far off a tangent, but people often talk about returning to the early church and like there's sort of this romanticized idea of what what the early church was and that's if we just did the early church it's like well yeah we it's good to return and and recognize the source and verify that the source is the same as what we're doing now but we can't return there like we're at a different place like Mm -hmm. what was working then is not going to work now you know there there's there's some things that we can learn from and some things that we can apply and there's principles and realities and so forth but we we have parishes now that's kind of become like a thing we have dioceses like that's become a thing like there was seed germinations of what those would become you know but um, it's interesting that sometimes people want to return to something and kind of this romantic idea of like what it was back then versus what we are now and it's there's, there's a, it's obviously the same institution, the same reality and everything, um, but uh, the needs are different, you know. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I think you you could say the same to all the eras of the church, mm-hmm. you know. All right. And and even even recently to like the early 1900s, be like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, remember, remember this, or like the good old days. The good old days, the pre-Vatican uh, II days, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we look at different periods in history and say that was when church mm-hmm. was awesome. That's yeah. when church was really successful, or whatever. I, I I wish we could go back to the time where we all had a fear for our lives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Then was the good old days when we used to get stoned and. <laughs> Not stoned, uh, smoking, but stoned as in rocks being thrown at your head. Yeah, so, yeah. Good, good, good clarification. Dis- <laughs> distinction there. People might not know that. So, uh, but yeah, people. Sometimes we forget. Like it's progress has been made, and we don't want to go back to a time and pretend that we can go back. You know, where we are, where we are now. Yeah, and th- I mean, this might be carrying on with the tangent or whatever, but it's it's fine, whatever. Um, I don't, I don't know if I read this in a book or if there was just, a, it was like a conversation or what, but it's talking about like, has there been a golden age of the church? And I think we like to think that there has been, but in reality, I don't really think that there has been like to a time where it's like, oh, this was like the height of the church because that wouldn't make sense <laughs> because the height of the church will probably be when it ends and everyone and Jesus comes back. Right. Like that's, and so, and I think I know like for myself, I can sometimes think of the church as too much of a human organization Mm -hmm. and think of it like a business or like a sports team or something like that. You're like, Oh, got to make some good trades here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Oh, remember when we had St. Paul and St. Peter and, you know, like these, these, these heavy hitters in the lineup. Um, um, but, but you just kind of 
thinking of like, yeah, like what, kind of what you were saying, like those times are, are gone. We can remember th- stuff. We can re- remember the people and the events. We can learn from them and we can be inspired by them. Okay. But we are in an age of our own where we have to, we have, we have to build and produce those saints mm-hmm. for our time mm-hmm. and to be able to speak to our world right. and our culture because right. it's, yeah, it's so different than... And uh, it's part of the, the beauty is that God calls each of us in our own time, in our own place, to experience that conversion in our own hearts and to respond in, in, in generosity to the call. And so it's not like we just have to rediscover something from the past and then just follow it and it'll work today. It's like, no, you kind of have to, every generation kind of has to feel its way through and, and kind of bumble along and... Um, trust in the Holy Spirit ultimately like our whole life is an opportunity to to grow closer to God and follow the Holy Spirit and and be led and be converted and it's a it's a process and it's an ongoing process for the church you know it's never never done until like you say it's to the end of time and then that's that'll be the high point of the church right so yeah yeah great well yeah I think we'll we'll end there for this episode so Thank you all for listening, and thank you, Father, uh, for being here. And, yeah, we hope you all have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you again next time.